Hi, I'm Winter of Wandering Wisdom and of SoCal Coaching. I'm a third generation intuitive, a master Reiki healer, teacher, mentor, life coach, and I'm bringing you this podcast with all these amazing people that I know in my community who are metaphysical practitioners, healers, teachers, bringing you their experiences and wisdom, as well as my own personal journeys to support you in your up-leveling and having an even more amazing day. Welcome. Hello and welcome to Wandering Wisdom with Winter. For this episode, I am sitting with the lovely Lauren, who is the Chief Empowerment Officer of Akaloa Wellness. So this lady is radically shifting contemporary work culture towards prioritizing emotional, physical, and mental health. And we're gonna be talking today about Ayurveda, which I am super fascinated by. I know somewhat about, <laughs> and I just love how there's just so many different approaches to bringing balance to the mind, body, and soul. So welcome Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. Thank you so much. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. So I am super curious. Um, Ayurveda is, is one of those wellness pathways where there's a lot of like elements involved. Like literally, I was like kind of falling down the Google <laughs> rabbit hole a little bit because I know like Vata, Pitta, Kappa and all that stuff. But I'm super curious, how did you come into the pathway of Ayurveda? Ayurveda is so vast. They say, right, you can keep it as simple as teaching it to a child or you can spend lifetimes in it and, you know, go for full doctorate doing surgeries, during doing so much with this beautiful practice. Uh, I came through it uh, and how many of us, I think, learn about Ayurveda is through yoga, actually. Um, although it is an evidence-based science, it's over 5,000 years old. It's, you know, been in some of the oldest scriptures that you can find. Um, many of us are finding it through yoga classes because it's a sister science to yoga, where yoga uh, in its most essence is connecting the soul to, you know, the self in a lot of ways. Ayurveda is the science of helping us connect the world, the earth that we're living on to ourself. So it's actually, they say, recommended before we even get on a yoga mat that we do Ayurveda first, because there's so many rules, principles, guidelines that help us really step into that role of connecting to our soul, which is really sacred work, honestly. It was crazy. And I love that you mentioned like how old it is because I was going to ask you that. Mm, um, oh my gosh, like 5,000 years. That's bananas. Okay. So I love also how it can span from like as simple to teaching a child about it to like just endless knowing and experiencing and exploring it. So with Ayurveda and your, your pathway to it, how have you incorporated it into your lifestyle? Like how have you found it beneficial for your own wellness and well-being? 
once I learned it, it's like, you can't go back. You know, you start to understand the, the principles of the nature around us. And then you understand that anytime you go against those quote rules, uh, then you start to find dis-ease in the mind, dis-ease in the body. And then ultimately, if not addressed, we find true disease manifested in ourselves. So it is, you know, nature tells us right now, you know, in the middle of winter, it's cold. You know, we know intuitively put on more clothes, right? Wear a coat, wear a scarf. Um, but the thing is with diet and lifestyle these days is like we go with really trendy things that might not serve every body mind type and might not serve where you live. So it's really important to start thinking about that full integration of it. And Ayurveda does a beautiful job of sharing that in a, in a really meaningful way. That's fantastic. So as I was looking into like the, the three types, um, it made me think of how one might describe them as like three personalities. <laughs> and I only say this because um, I use a, a similar approach when I'm talking about astrology or the tarot, uh, talking about the archetypes, talking about the planets for like their traits, like their characteristic traits. Um, so how would you describe uh, those three different energies of Vata, Pitta and Kapha? Forgive me if I'm not pronouncing them. No, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, a lot of us have maybe heard those terms, uh, bata, pitta, kapha, right? The, maybe. Um, and if we haven't, we'll start kind of basic. But even this term dosha, maybe you've heard. What's dosha, my yes. dosha? I think there's a book called like, what's my dosha baby? Um, and technically that's not even the right word, but it's sticky and it kind of says what we're looking for. So it gets us in that direction. But you can look at these three doshas uh, in like very different ways, but if in a scientific way, it could be, you know, biological humors or metabolisms. Um, in other ways, it can be, like you said, archetypes, personality, mind, body uh, combinations. I sometimes when I'm talking to individuals call them like yogi genetics. It's kind of, it makes up who you are. We all have a little bit of each of those three but there's usually one or two that often show up as, as your primary dosha or dosha balance. Um, so that's how we kind of think about it. But just to take a step back, you know, when we think of these three doshas, you're like, well, what are they? Where do they come from? What are they made up of? And they're coming from the five elements that comprise of this material nature. So we have space, air, fire, water, and earth. So it's those five that then translate into vata, which is space and air, pitta, which is fire and water, and kapha, which is water and earth. Hopefully that helps bring it. Yes, that's beautiful. Together. And like, there we are right my now. My wishiness started popping up a little bit. It's like, oh, the elements. For sure. <laughs> I love how it all ties in. I love how it all ties in. It really is all connected. That's fantastic. Um, so when you're practicing, and I'm not sure if I'm putting it in the, in the correct terms, like when you're practicing your dosha, like attending to it, Mm -hmm. Um, and is there a sort, I would imagine that there's a sort of connection that happens once you begin to learn what your 
your dosha is like your uh, makeup between the three and you start practicing it um, that there's a sort of like energetic shift that happens, right? We're all born with a constitution of property, which is like who we are at the time of birth, right? Like this like perfect version of ourself that comes into, into being. And then over time, due to external influences, age, how we eat, you know, so even our social environment, so many things that then start to create imbalances. Another definition for the word dosha is at fault. So it's almost like saying, okay, well, you know, too much fire in a person, right? Doesn't just mean like that they have a, a fire burning in them, but it might mean excessive competitiveness, too much spicy food. Um, you know, they might notice a lot of like rashing, burning in the eyes, things like that. And that's the excess fire that we start to see as we start to live a life that's incredibly intense, you know? And so we can see how the environment can start to throw off our, our balanced nature. So the idea here is it's not to all be perfect in each of the buckets. I'm a third in Vata, a third in Pitta, a third in Kapha. No, the actual goal is to get back to that proportion that you came into the world as. Awesome. So what I'm curious about now is knowing the doshas as you do and knowing like all these different energy types, um, since you've come into this work that you do, um, do you ever find that it kind of becomes uh, a lens that comes in occasionally? Because I ask this in the way of um, when I've talked to like astrologers, for example, I'm like, when you came into the practice of astrology, like has it changed like how you like see the world and um, environments? Like, does it play out like differently for you? Does that Absolutely. make sense? Yeah. I mean, once you know, it's hard to unknow, right? <laughs> and, and that's part of it. I think a lot of, as we do this like deep inner work, it's like you almost can't go back to what you didn't know, um, you know? And that's why sometimes they'll probably even say like that ignorance is bliss. Like when you didn't know, you can just eat ice cream in the dead of January and think like it's going to be fine on your stomach. And then you just wonder like, why is my belly grumbling? And you kind of move on. But once you start to know, well, if I'm eating a lot of cold frozen food in the cold frozen time of the year, like my body might feel a little aggravated by it. So once you know, then there's almost a lot more of that, like, I shouldn't do that involved. And that's actually one of the principles of they call crimes against wisdom. Like when we know better and we do it anyway, and that's a lot of how we live right now where you're like, do I need the extra slice of pizza? No. Am I going to do it anyway? Yes. You know, and that's where uh, trouble starts to set in. And it's little, that's a little example, but it can, all those little extra indulgences or those little uh, deviations from wisdom they can start to really manifest as anxiety, depression, overwhelm. Um, and that's just in the mindset, but what it can do in the body, right? A lot of us talk about the COVID-15 or however that is, but it's really starting to say, how are my actions creating a reaction 
in my body that might not be serving me? And what is my body telling me that I'm not listening to? Awesome. So I'm glad that you mentioned the whole thing around COVID because I know that so many people are working from home now as opposed to like going to an office. And I would imagine that having that different sort of environment around uh, is causing stress or anxiety in different kinds of ways, just because um, not just the change of scenery, but also like the change of accessibility too, right? So in terms of, for example, people who like are working from home now, and so like they're working out their kitchen and, <laughs> you know, like, um, yeah, like the fridge is right there. Yeah, exactly. So it's like people's, uh, I would imagine people's diets are changing yes. a bit working from home. And um, I would love to know like what tips or suggestions you might have around that or even how people can uh, mitigate like stress using like sort of like Ayurvedic techniques? Sure. The one thing to be mindful of is that no one tip benefits everybody just for the reason of we all have different constitutions that make up who we are and what mm -hmm. we need. But in let's say a standard more, uh, I guess, version of individuals I speak with or the version that are staring at their computer screen all day, right? A lot of us are not doing that, uh, who might be doing more manual labor or maybe doing things that are more physically in the world that's not behind a screen. But most of the individuals that I work with, that I connect with are on Zoom all day. So when I share these kinds of tips, it's usually to, to that group. Um, and to start even just by what are your boundaries? You know, what time do you start your day? What time do you end your day? And if it's, you start your day from the minute you roll out of bed and then you turn off your computer and roll into bed, you can expect that you might not sleep so well. And then ask yourself, have I been sleeping well? And then we start to notice these little things and you could say, of course, I've not been sleeping well. It's COVID, it's stressful, it's overwhelming. Yes, but we have an opportunity to do things, to take control over the little things in our life to give us purpose, meaning, groundedness. So that's the invitation of starting with your schedule. Can you find routine? A lot of us are not finding that stable of a routine, except the just general, I'm home all the time. But what happened in the past was I had to catch a bus at 7.20. If I wasn't on that bus, things would not go well for the rest of the day, right? So I had that momentum to get out of bed, do the things I needed to do, shower, eat, um, maybe work out, and then get on the bus and get to my job. My job started at nine, then I worked until six, right? And then like all in, and of course, you know, I worked in a, an intense corporate environment. And so even though I clocked out or maybe got on the bus home at six, I was still maybe working on the bus or however that might've been, but you know, at that time I had the moments to disconnect. I had the structure in my routine of when I was going to eat lunch, what time dinner was, um, what time I got out of bed. And I'll hear, you know, there are individuals you'll wake up one morning at 6.30, sometimes at 8.45, sometimes 
you know, who naturally from whatever other reason. And it's really important to start there because if you can find a routine that you can stick to, let's call it 70 to 80% of the time, you will find yourself in a more grounded place where anxiety lives in the places of inconsistency, uncertainty, um, instability, right? And so that's that's a good invitation right there. And I could go deeper, but that's a really good start if we can start to find that regularity in our schedule. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. Okay. I have a question about your routine or ritual. So when you were feeling um, out of balance or out of alignment, what, what do you do that helps bring you back to center? Thank you for asking. I love, you know, I have a morning routine that I do in, in good times and in bad times. And I love my morning routine. It gives me through even COVID, it's given me a lot of, again, that stability. Um, and I love the time to myself in the morning. And even because of this shift in time, now I get to see the sunrise, you know, and, be, and that, allow that to be part of my morning routine, which has been really amazing. Uh, so for me, that um, is just unstoppable. And that can be anything from drinking lime water to giving myself a, um, a self-massage, which I invite everyone to do, even if it's five minutes a day, most people can benefit from that, especially if you're feeling some stress and overwhelm. Um, and then when I'm not feeling good, I notice what's shifted. Have I given up or you know, have I continued to back burner some of the things that I consider important? Am I giving myself the time and space to process everything that's going on? Because maybe I'm feeling good, you know, financially because it's been a, a busy month. But am I feeling good from a nourished perspective of getting outside and getting fresh air every day? So because we're all living in this like ever shifting environment, it's really important to do those self-check-ins regularly and notice if my mood's off, what else is going on? There's, you know, hormonal fluctuations for women that we're dealing with every month where the brain chemistry can change up to 25%. There's astrological influences, which I'm not that savvy on, but I know they exist. I know when a moon, the full moon is, is up and rising, like hospitals see an influx of patients, right? There's like real real things and effects, but sometimes we don't know, we don't know where they're coming from, but just knowing like, okay, well, in those moments, can I care for myself more? Can I give a little more self-love today? That was absolutely beautiful. And it's so important. Thank you for saying all of that, because it's true. The, the self, the check-in and seeing what's needed and holding space for oneself too, to, um, have the acknowledgement and awareness and allowing the things to come up and through, up and out. For sure. Yes. <laughs> Happy to share like, for acknowledging and appreciating such a important, this is important work, you know? I love it, I love it. This is fantastic, thank you so much. So what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be sharing your information in the description part of the episode so that people can connect with you, learn more about you and get involved with what it is that you're offering. Amazing. 
Yeah. If you're feeling stressed, right. That's where like, you know, if you're questioning like, what is Ayurveda and is it right for me? It applies to anybody, someone feeling stressed, someone feeling, um, irregularities in menstrual cycles, bowel movements, mood, um, anything from like a disease and how to feel better during it. So Ayurveda isn't just one focus of like, okay, stress or not. It's like, it's, it's truly everything. It's how we live and how we walk on this planet, you know? So it is, it's a beautiful work to, to invite you to, if you feel called. And it's so wonderful to, to have a connection with someone who understands it so deeply and practices it themselves. Thanks so much. Wendy. Fantastic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Okay, cool.